Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. All right. Good day, good evening, good afternoon, whatever it may be, wherever you are. So today we are going to be having an interview with Austin Schifrin, a past master of the Masonic Tyrian Lodge number 644 in Burrow, Pennsylvania, and the author of More Light, Collected Masonic Writings, 2017 to 2021. So good evening, Austin. Hello. Nice good evening, to- Aaron. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very glad that you reached out to me. This is incredible. It's always great to have, you know, people speaking on the uh, the podcast other than myself. Well, I'd certainly like to thank you for the opportunity to share something with your audience. Cool. So let's just to start, just uh, what got you into masonry? I mean, I've read your bio and stuff like that, but let's let's share a little bit about that. Well, thank you for asking. You know, it's it's a pretty simple story, and I recognize the more brethren I talk to, the more elements I realize it's got in common with uh, what some other fellows lived through as well. Um, when I was a kid, I, I greatly admired and looked up to my grandfather. Um, he was a chiropractor by trade, uh, but he was also a voracious intellectual. Uh, he was a, a big a big reader on diverse subjects. He was interested in, uh, in uh, Eastern philosophy and yoga before that was you know, a, a big, cool, trendy thing. Uh-huh. Um, and he had a pretty decent esoteric library. As I got older and got into high school, at some point along the line, I had d- developed an awareness that uh, he was involved in Freemasonry. And it, it really piqued my curiosity. And I struck up a conversation with him about it at one point. I wasn't really sure how to broach it. I said, listen, I don't know how much you're supposed to talk about it, or, you know, allowed to talk about it. But I, I understand this is something that you've been involved in, and I'm, I'm really curious about it. Is there more that you can tell me? And he said, well, you know, fundamentally, Freemasonry is a fraternity. You're about to go away to college. Uh, why don't you go, you know, experience what fraternities are like? And if that's something that appeals to you, then we should really talk about it some more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just a shame with the benefit of 2020 hindsight. But I have the feeling that when he said that, he may not have been aware of how much Greek fraternities on the the U.S. college campus had changed in 60 years since he had been there. Uh, So, you know, I went away to to college here in Pittsburgh and, you know, uh, uh, spent some time socially at some fraternities, had lovely fun, uh, but I didn't see something more profound in it that I wanted to pursue for the rest of my life. So unfortunately, that kind of fell by the wayside. And I, you know, while I you know, had a great relationship with my grandfather. I just didn't discuss that topic yeah. with him any further. So you fast forward like a decade or more. Uh, I was still in, I decided to stick around Pittsburgh. I was living in the South side, which is a, a neighborhood around here that's uh, reputed for nightlife and music and rock bands. So there's always a lot of flyers all over the place. Uh, but by that time I was living in the neighborhood and I was uh, selling advertising space. Uh, at a newspaper. So I really, I knew a lot of the the small business owners uh, all up and down the main drag of the South side. And 
one day I was walking past this delicatessen that belonged to a fella I knew by the name of Eric Cohen. And as with a lot of these businesses, there were all these flyers plastered in the front window, but most of them, you know, advertising rock bands playing at clubs. But there was one that stood out that kind of caught my eye because uh, the advertisement said, come out to this social event, watch the Pro Bowl football game, eat hoagies and shoot pool with us. And on it were the logos or the seals of like four or five different Masonic bodies. So I walked into this deli and, you know, I found my buddy Eric who owned the place. And I said to him, hey, what's the story with this flyer in your window? And he said, oh, I'm so glad you asked. I've been involved with the Freemasons for about five years now. It's something that I really care about. So I'm very active with it. And we're holding this social event. And I explained to him this conversation that I had had in my youth with my grandfather and um, how I felt like there might have been a miscommunication there. Mm -hmm. And Eric said, well, why don't you come out to this social event and hang out with us? And if you see something in that interaction that appeals to you, maybe we should talk about it some more. And I did not know really what to expect going into this. You know, I was like, oh, is it going to be some like spooky, you know, uh, big cigar backroom meeting with a bunch of big wigs who are pulling the strings and running the world? And I got there and it was just a bunch of nice fellas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were shooting pool. They were, you know, chit chatting. And, but it was like such a wide variety of people, too. So it was like guys who were, you know, lawyers and college professors and guys who were appliance repairmen and who worked on utility lines. And it was so it was just a neat mix of people. But what they had in common is they were nice, decent people. So I said to myself, oh, gee, you know, actually, this feels like something I would enjoy being a part of. And I, you know, approached Eric, you know, afterwards and I said, you know, can you tell me more about getting involved? And he said, yep, absolutely. The next thing you know, I'm a member. There you go. And the rest was history, huh? That was in 2006. The rest, as they say, is history. So what year was it that you joined? So I joined in 2006. Okay. So you joined 2006. And then now had you been writing – all along and then you published the book in 2017 or was it 2017 that you really started writing about Freemasonry? No, uh, you know, the, the writing, writing was something that I had enjoyed, you know, from my youth and I had written a variety of stuff. I liked journaling. Uh, I was also into writing poetry, but what happened was very shortly after I got my blue lodge or craft lodge degrees, this fellow, Eric, wh whose footsteps I was following in, he had an insatiable curiosity for all of the different branches and appendant bodies he wanted to see and experience and learn everything there was out there to learn, right? So uh, very shortly after I got my uh, craft uh, degrees, he said, you know, uh, this is a really good opportunity for you. The Scottish Rite is, having, is just about to have their fall class. That's, you know, that's a branch of the organization you might find really interesting. Consider, consider uh, uh, petitioning for this. So I wound up going through the chairs in my Blue Lodge and getting involved and active at Scottish Rite and joining one of the progressive officer lines there as well. So I got involved with Princes of Jerusalem. And so I was master of my Blue Lodge in 2013. I was sovereign prince uh, in the Pennsylvania Council Princes of Jerusalem in the Valley of Pittsburgh in 2014. And part of the experience coming up as an officer in our valley is uh, we have a very well-organized and laid-out prize-winning magazine belonging to our Scottish Rite Valley. 
and they asked the presiding officers to write and contribute to that magazine. So I started writing articles, you know, figure it's a handful per year uh, in, in 2014. And what I was very grateful for is that when my tenure was over, the editorial staff asked me to stay on and continue writing for them. So that was, you know, it was a very nice, I took it as a very nice compliment. Yeah. It was a real confidence booster. And sometime later on, I had really started uh, considering the idea of collecting what I had written and publishing it as a book. And I was on the fence about that for a little while. Um, but when my mom passed away, it's about two years ago now, I was helping organize and, 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 and clean out her apartment. And in her youth, she had been a painter. She, uh, she made these beautiful oil paintings and, you know, uh, she kind of set that aside after college and uh, went on to become a successful interior designer and architect. When she retired, I always kind of thought it was something she was going to pick back up and she never did. So I was, you know, I was surrounded by these beautiful paintings of hers and I kind of felt this loss that she had had like something that to share with the world, but she had kind of, um, you know, let the opportunity slip away. And I kind of said to myself, you know, don't, you don't have to second guess yourself here. You know, don't, what's the word? There's a, there's a phrase that I'm looking for here, but it's basically like, don't reject yourself, right? Yeah. If you have something that you want to share with the world, maybe you should go ahead and do it. So I, I took the plunge. I put this book out about a year ago. And about the first two thirds of it consists of articles that I had put out in that five year window in the Scottish Rite magazine. And then the last third of it consists of the text, the notes of a presentation that I had done to the Squirrel Hill Historical Society here in Pittsburgh about the history of Freemasonry, both Craft Lodge and some of the appendant bodies, a little bit of a focus on their presence in Southwest PA. All right. So that gives it so so would you say like the first half or a couple thirds is on I'd say about the first two thirds it consists of these articles. And the articles talk a little bit about the philosophy and principles of the organization. And I, I think that there's a safe argument to be made that you know the philosophy and principles of Scottish Rite really have their roots in the Blue Lodge. You're not you're not moving on to these degrees to learn something separate and different. You're moving on to these degrees to learn an elaboration on the premises that you learned in in your craft degrees, you know? Yeah, because yeah, uh, blue or the uh, Scottish right, and I think York right as well, don't they basically start at the fourth degree and continue? Yeah, and actually, this is something that was nicely established. There's a there's a scholar I want to say he's based out of New Orleans by the name of Michael Pohl, and the first time I encountered him online. He was uh, he had his horns locked in debate with somebody else about the difference between an appendant body and a right. Mm -hmm. And he was making this argument, look, a right is a system of degrees that starts with the first and goes to whatever that body's terminal degree is. And he said he said it's important that he said, I believe that we should not refer to the York right and the Scottish right as appendant bodies because they are, in fact, full on rights. and. Yeah. If you look into the history of the Scottish Rite, you will find it has its own first three degrees as well. And the first time I saw, you know, Michael, you know, locked in this debate, I was, I, I thought, ah, oh, he's splitting hairs. He's being pedantic. But the more I read his support of his argument, I was like, ah, oh, the man's right. You know, technically, you know, he's correct. So I got to give him credit where credit is due to, to, you know, for opening my eyes a little bit on this subject. But yes, truly like, but, you know, the York, Right and the Scottish right, they they have their fundamental roots 
in these first three degrees that we receive, and they, they merely elaborate on them. They're not exposing us to something radically different. It's uh, just a further light, as it were. So on the, the first two thirds, let's talk about the first two thirds. So is there a recurring theme that goes through there? Or is it kind of like just across the board, all different stuff? Like if you had to say, you know, like give it give it a theme or give it some sort of a, a mode or a model, what would that be? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I covered a pretty I covered a pretty broad spectrum here. Right. So the thing is, a part of what I benefited from in, in, the, in the courses of assembling these articles is, you know, there's there's a certain it's it's, it's assigned writing. Right. Now, uh, our editor, PJ, you know, gave us a, a fair amount of leeway. But he says, look, here are the recommended themes for each of these issues. So I, you may you may recall that the you know northern Masonic jurisdiction, they have their condensed, you know, like a. a set of the core values they say look you know there, there might be these 29 degrees but it fundamentally is expressing these core values so the core values were some you know some of the themes of the individual issues but i tried to just basically cover a, a you know a spectrum of different principles and philosophy that i felt like would accomplish two things right my goal was to accomplish two things and it's, it's tough to serve two masters at the same time mm -hmm. but i wanted to provide something that would be a good primer or maybe maybe it's maybe it's even more ambitious than that, right? Maybe it's three different goals at the same time. I wanted to provide something that would be a decent primer for somebody who was a new Mason to feel like they were getting a good overview and survey of what the underpinnings and principles are. Thought number one. Thought number two is I wanted to have I wanted the, the material to have a, a level of sophistication and elaboration that meant that just because it was something that would be useful for a new Mason didn't mean that it was going to be boring to an experienced Mason. So mm -hmm. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and give something that would still be of interest to a fella with a couple more years under his belt and some experience. And then furthermore, maybe this was an ambitious goal, but I also wanted to write it at a level where there wasn't a bunch of, you know, it's not a bunch of secret content. It's not a yeah. tiled meeting. So I also wanted to have enough protein in there, right. To be something that would be useful to, uh, and, uh, stimulating for a person who's not even a member yet, maybe even pique their curiosity enough, their interest enough, that they might pursue entrance into our fraternity. And I figured if I could if I could try to kill all three of those birds with one stone, then I'm really getting somewhere. Oh, well, that's cool. So three overarching goals for it. Um, so another question that kind of came up as I was reading some, some of the uh, articles about you and some of the things. So how would you say your faith has affected either your view of masonry or maybe the the lean of some of the articles, or or do you think it did? I absolutely think it did, and I think it did in two in like maybe two main ways. Um, you know, one of these is that is knowing that a lot of our craft lodge, a lot of our blue lodge work uh, has its roots in in stories that you know derive out of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So you know, knowing that there was this uh, material in this background that you know from from my religious education as a youth i was already exposed. i was like ah oh, this you know this is something fringe or 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 king david yeah i know that guy you know or if you're talking about you know the the um you know the story of the story of noah right oh i know i know that guy too so so a lot of this source material that uh, you know some of the variety of masonic degrees point to was comfortable and familiar territory for me right but Secondly, and maybe even more importantly, was the notion of, you know, egalitarianism, religious tolerance, knowing that I can get together 
in a room with brethren from a wide variety of backgrounds, but what we're focused on is our common ground and our common goals, that gives me an enormous comfort level. It's difficult to convey to somebody, unless they've had the personal experience, what it feels like to be in a minority. And when I grew up in New York City, you know, surrounded by enough other people of my same faith, enough other Jewish people, that you can forget that statistically throughout the United States, you're a minority because you're, you're surrounded by people who you have this in common with, and there's a comfort level. If you move geographically someplace else, where the demographic split is not quite the same, this can come to your attention in ways that nobody means maliciously, but you know, you you suddenly come to terms with the fact that um, you know, I'm I'm not the the uh, the the central player here, right? There's yeah. there's a there's a whole other world that I'm now just kind of orbiting on the outskirts of, and to belong to an institution that says one of our fundamental principles is us focusing on our common ground, recognizing the goals that we're all striving towards together, and that this is a brotherhood of man under the fatherhood of God. This creates a reassurance and a comfort level for you that is unparalleled. So I know I've had friends and family who are not, you know, who who are not members, right? Who are are not as familiar with Freemasonry, you know, ask me, is this something that Jewish people participate in? And I say, not only not only that we can, but that we should, because having this opportunity to build bridges and feel like feel a comfort level as part of a community is a pretty special thing. Yeah, I, we always kind of joke about it at my lodge and say we're like the United Nations of Masonry because I mean, right on, man. My my home lodge, right? Because I've since moved, but my home lodge. I mean, we've got men there of every race, creed, culture, religion, and I mean, you know, I've taken pictures. I've had them because I still edit the uh, the newsletter every month, and you know, I'll get some of the pictures of some of the degrees and I'll post it, and people say, "Oh my god, like how do you have that many different people from all the backgrounds?" It's like because like you just said, it, it brings everybody together, regardless of what religion you are, what faith, what culture, any of that. It's just, and it's so awesome Look, to go into that let room. Let me ask you, that, that reaction though, that, that reaction is coming from folks who, who aren't members, right? Yes. And even that reaction that, represents, that reaction represents something subtle, but there's a misunderstanding in the public that we've, we haven't yet been able to completely dispel about Freemasonry necessarily having overtones of elitism or racism or you know or, or or other bias that a is not entirely accurate and it's hard for us to overcome the 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 public perception and b where it is where it is accurate because unfortunately it's true in some corners we need to work on we need to work on that right yeah yeah i mean for sure it's it's been interesting i mean so i moved from the southern california area to northern nevada and here in northern Nevada, it's probably a lot more along the lines of kind of what people would see. And it just happens to be because of the small town that I live in, it's basically 99% middle-aged white males. But that's just the yeah, demographic I mean, of, of where I live. Yeah. You know, I don't think that you can change the fact that the composition of lodges is going to usually at least on, you know, somewhat reflect the composition of the community it's, it's made up of. So it might be it might be unreasonable for us to imagine further skewing the composition of those lodges just because we 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 wish it were different um but by the same token i think 
we need to we, we certainly hope that people's you know circles are broad enough and their minds are open enough that we're or who are good character to, to get involved yeah that's what we hope and i think yep. you know so it's interesting you as you talk about coming in that was the one of the things kind of your your first experience with masonry being at an event and kind of going wow these are cool people that was very similar with me it was I started kind of getting interested and they said, Hey, we're doing an event at the VA hospital this weekend. Why don't you come down? So my wife and I went down and hung out at the VA hospital with the Masons. They put on a big barbecue. They went room to room to go talk to the vets and, and hang out and bring little gifts and stuff like that. And I remember saying, wow, if this is what you guys are about, I'm in. And we did a lot of right stuff. On. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm excited about my personal experience, but I also find it enjoyable to discover how much my experience I have in common with other brethren that I meet. I think the thing that's neat about your experience is that the event that you were attending was also a social that was open to your significant others. Yep. And I think the more opportunity we have to explain to wives, girlfriends, or significant others of prospects what, what our organization is like, the more opportunity we give them to meet the existing members, the more of a comfort level we're also going to create for them about what their you know, their husbands, their boyfriends are getting involved with. And that's important. So are you married? I uh, have a living girlfriend. We have been together for about four years. Marriage is certainly on its way. It is just not here yet. All right. And what does she think about masonry? Chrissy is really fond of and impressed by what it is I'm involved with. I think one way in which I'm fortunate is that, you know, and this is no disrespect intended whatsoever to Tyrion, uh, which you know is my mother lodge and I will always have a love and allegiance for. But I'm also involved in one of these TO lodges uh, where we have you know research papers uh, being presented by you know various different brethren and the candidates trying to come up through the degrees every month. And so when I talk to her about how much time and attention we give to contemplating the philosophy of the organization, and our focus on self-improvement and the study and the practice of virtue, she's like, well, how could I possibly object to you being involved with this? You know, I think that's, I think Masonic education generally is something that we can do more to encourage in all blue lodges, because the more opportunity and exposure we get to the kind of study, the more I think it leads to the sort of refinement that, that Freemasonry should be all about. Yeah, totally agree. I know the uh, current master at our lodge, my home lodge down in Southern California, he's always been involved. I know he's he's contemplating. I know he's got notes. He's thinking about writing a book. And so I've nice. noticed <laughs> I've noticed that uh, for this last year, I heard, you know, since the beginning of the year, since he's been in there, a huge uh, focus on, you know, education, Masonic education. He's got speakers coming in and just you know, that's that's his background. He loves it. And I'm reading some of the commentaries from some of the brethren and they love it, too. It's just like, wow, I, I didn't know that this is what it's about. I didn't know that there was this much involved. You know, I think sometimes even without being able to articulate it, what we're now referring to as Masonic education is a big component of why a lot of guys join in the first place. Like they, they know that there's something that they want to learn. They might not be able to put their finger on, you know, or be able to describe in in granular detail what it is, but we have what they're looking for. We just have to make sure that we're helping build that connection. I know 
Uh, I'm only sorry that last weekend I missed the Midwest Conference on Masonic Education. I hear it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I know here in Pennsylvania, we have the Academy of Masonic Knowledge, which has kind of a three, three pronged approach. We have a, um, you know, almost a uh, academic course of study with recommended reading lists and people producing research papers. We have a speakers bureau where you can enlist people from, uh, from a directory of speakers with different areas of, uh, of concentration and focus to come, um, you know, make a program for your lodge. And we have symposia that we hold twice a year where we pull in some keynote speakers, uh, some, some fairly notable folks. And I know that other states all over the U.S. Ha have, you know, uh, similar things, you know, trying to uh, incentivize and reward scholarship uh, and trying to stimulate more Masonic education. And I feel like, uh, you know, we could be entering a new golden age. Yeah. I, uh, there's a, I think it's South Pasadena Lodge out in Southern California that every year they do, I think they're doing it every year now. They call it like Masonicon and they actually will get speakers in from all over the world. And I mean, there's discussion groups and I think it goes for basically, it's like a conference. It goes for Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. It's, it's been pretty cool from what I've seen. Unfortunately, it's, I've never been able to attend it, but it looks awesome. Johnston on Whence Came You. Yes. Now, so any other books in the future you thinking of? You got started on another one? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I have a, a new work in progress right now. Uh, it's going to be another. It's going to be another uh, volume of collected works, but it's what came out in, in more light. Um, so I have a piece that was part of a presentation to Council of Deliberation a few years back about uh, ritual in different periods in history and different cultures and ways that uh, performance of ritual is used to teach moral lessons. That's one uh, chapter. I've got a chapter, um, how the contemplation of mortality uh, is part of our education in Freemasonry. Um, I have a presentation that I'm working on right now that's going to be uh, about tarot as an aid to the study of virtue. It's going to be presented at the, the Ad Lucem Symposium on Esoteric Freemasonry, but it's also going to be part of this next upcoming book. So I'm putting together some more long-form studies. Oh, the other one is going to be about uh, some of the uh, physical materials of the of the Old Testament and uh, that are mentioned in uh, Masonic ritual. So kind of exploring some of the trivia and minutia of, uh, of Freemasonry. Um, and that's going to be summer of 2024. Uh, my next book's going to come out. Awesome. Summer of 24. All right. What else would you like to share about your, your current book? Well, so here's, here's a couple of thoughts, right? Um, and, you know, I, I hope this doesn't come across as a crass commercialism, but, you know, it's interesting when you're a, 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 an author like this and sort of an independent publisher, uh, you've got this a, a whole separate challenge ahead of you, right? There's an excitement to the challenge of writing. And that's something that, you know, you, you might love as a creative person. And then you've got a complete separate challenge of, of, of marketing, right? How do I get this message out to people? So here's the couple of things that I want to remember to tell folks, right? One is that the best way to keep in touch with me and keep apprised of uh, what my upcoming public speaking engagements are or other progress on the second book is if you look for me on Facebook. 
there's there's me as a regular person, Austin Schifrin, but I have a separate author page. So it says Austin R. Schifrin, comma, author. And if you look for me and follow me there, uh, you will be uh, most in the loop about upcoming speaking engagements. I have stuff booked all the way up through January of next year uh, where I'm making some appearances both at lodges and uh, some places in the uh, regular world. The book itself is currently available uh, at Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. So you can order your hard copies. You can also get it as an ebook. So if you have one of those Kindles or if you have the uh, the Kobo, or you can even get it from the Apple Store as an ebook. So pretty much almost, I think any format that you can read a book in, uh, you can currently find the book. It's, it's called More Light, Collected Masonic Writings, 2017 to 2021. My full name is Austin Schifrin, and that last name is spelled S-H-I-F-R-I-N. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and just in, if I was to try to find some way to summarize the book in a nutshell, I feel like I, I managed a decent balance between being something useful and informative for the new Mason, uh, something uh, thought-provoking and stimulating for the experienced Mason, and something that gives enough background for a person who's not even a member yet to get a better grasp of what the fraternity is all about. So I hope that it's something that a wide variety of people could enjoy and would be interested to explore. Well, very cool. I'll tell you, one of the things, since I do edit our newsletter, is I'll, I'll put some information in for the June one to, to kind of pub, or, you know, push some uh, people towards this podcast. And then also we can throw the cover of the book. And if you have anything you'd like me to publish in that, I'll put it out in our, our newsletter. I know we are pretty widely spread because even on our newsletter, I've had people kind of reach out to me from around the world about uh, some of the things that we do in there. We actually, my lodge actually won, I think two years in a row, we won the best trust award for the state of California. Nice. Well, so, you have to be proud of that. You've got to be proud of that. We had best social media uh, one year. I mean, we we won a lot of awards. I think they stopped doing them because we kept winning so, so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mercy rule, right? Didn't want to make the other kids feel bad. That's it. Yep. Well, Austin, oh, heck, if you if you were willing to do that, I would be greatly appreciative. Absolutely. Yeah. Send me whatever you want to put in and I will make sure that uh, I've got room in there for it. And if not, hey, I'll add another page. I'm the editor, right? <laughs> right. I think, I think you've got that latitude. I, I know I sent you the manuscript itself, but I think I can send you an image of the cover as well. Perfect. Well, Austin, it has been incredibly wonderful to chat with you this evening. And um, when I get the podcast up and running and cleaned up and everything, I'll let you know. And then we'll also tag you on that. So you'll get tagged multiple times on multiple different formats. I think we're on about 15 different you know, podcast formats now. Hey, listen, Aaron, thank you so much for, for making this possible for me. And uh, yes, do please keep me in the loop uh, when you're actually releasing it. Because, you know, like uh, one hand washing the other. Uh, I'd also be happy to help promote the episode whenever it comes out. So just let me know. All right, brother, you got it. Thank you very much. And you have a wonderful evening since it's uh, coming up on what, about nine o'clock your time? Yep. Yep. I think uh, Chrissy and I are going to watch a little TV and then uh, get ready to turn in. All right, my brother, you have a great one. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Aaron. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.